Hi, this is Brennan Davis from Bedrock Games and the Bedrock Blog, and I'm here with Adam and Joel for the eighth episode of Horror Express, and we're rolling into October with Fright Night. This is a 1985 film directed by Tom Holland, and it stars Roddy McDowell, Chris Sarandon, uh, William Ragsdale, and Amanda Bierce. Um, it's a classic. I don't know if do, do I need to give the recap that it's about the kid whose next door neighbor is a vampire and how everybody thinks he's crazy and he he uh, you know he he ends up going to this uh, kind of like a local TV host guy who's a vampire killer on television and in the movies and recruiting him to help him battle the vampire um, you know and there's obviously a lot more that goes on in the film uh, this was Joel's time first seeing it so me and Adam both saw it when it came out i'm assuming uh i'd like to get joel's opinion because i'm curious what this movie looks like to somebody who didn't didn't grow up with it in the movie theaters well remember i did grow up with the poster of this movie a lot though because i still went through Mm. like the video store era and like later on like the dvd so you were aware of it you were aware of it as a concept it's been on my two watch list since i was about like seven years old so that movie poster has been looming large in my mind for a long time that's a lot of build-up that is a lot of build-up and expectation it's a hell of a poster like it looks like it's going to be a real monster mash so i was expecting I was expecting a lot. I was expecting lots of monsters. I didn't know if it was going to be an anthology or just a whole bunch of ghouls, like, together doing some kind of monstrous thing and some idiot teenager team have got to beat them. I was part right, but, like, it's just the... It's the vampire story. Like, when I was watching it, I was like, are we... Are we really doing this? The vampire moves in next door, nobody believes teenager, and he's got to go fight him? Is that it? And his, his... Oh, his best friend turned into a vampire. Who saw that swerve? Was it everyone? Yes. This is, like, the archetypical vampire story. Which isn't to say it was disappointing exactly. I was just kind of stunned. I was like, "Well, wh- when does the where-, where do werewolves and mummies show up? Is, is this <laughs> is it just the vampire? It was just the vampire. That's it. That's all." It's it's it a really simple. It's a really simple movie actually. It's just and, and it's kind of um, uh, I don't know. It's it's. It, it, I, I could sort of see where the, with the name you might have expectations that there's going to be a lot of movies that'll be not a lot of movies but a lot of monsters and a lot of tropes from the genre. Um, you know, I will say that well, I mean, a, 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 a lot of what you're commenting on is the fact that many movies have replicated this, you know, emulated this movie and copied it, and mm-hmm. so there's also that too. Um, well, yeah, it's th- this is an older movie in in terms of vampire movies. So, like, yeah, the the general formula apparently gets laid out in this one, or it's it's pretty much nailed down in this one. Uh, it, it was surprising, and I don't know. Like, the Lost uh, Boys is kind of similar, right? And that came out like two years yeah. later. You know, the Lost Boys has a lot of almost the same beats. Almost every vampire movie, a lot of monster movies in general, where it's like you know a bunch of idiot teenagers versus a monster are this movie. So. Yeah, I was not expecting that. I I don't know. I I've, I'm 34 years old. I've seen a lot of movies. I've, I've went, I kind of lived through the deconstruction of horror and its reconstruction recently. And like, so I want there to be a lot of weird turns that are going to surprise me. And this one was just like beat for beat exactly what I was expecting of a vampire movie. So I was like, oh, well, that's fine, I guess. I'm not again. I'm not disappointed. I was just kind of like stunned. Yeah, this is this is not a movie that's intending to surprise anyone. I think not um, even in the least. Yeah. No, I mean it was it was deliberately nostalgic at the time too, which yeah. is why it's got the horror host and like the clips from his movies and stuff. I mean it was it was kind of 
delivered, hey, let's just do a traditional vampire yeah. movie instead of the they, they were clearly ripping on the Hammer movies. With oh, those definitely. Clips yeah. too. And, and I saw it, that and I was like, oh my god. And he's yeah. called he's called Peter Vincent because the character is Peter Cushing plus Vincent Price, basically. Vincent Price was supposed to play him. That was who they wanted originally. But uh, but he, he didn't accept the role. Uh, he, he would have overpowered it. I think they cast the right guy. Yeah, I, I think he's really good in the role. I mean, nothing uh, obviously nothing against Vincent Price, but I think I think he does a great job with it. Could Vincent Price be nebbish and cowardly? I don't know. Yeah, he yeah. Can do oh nebbish. yeah, he can he can do oh, he can really? do that. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he can he Vincent Price would have been I think he would have been terrific in the role. I think uh, not Roddy McDowell. Um <laughs> what's, his, uh, what's his name? Um Wait, well, you're talking about who? Oh yeah, no, Roddy McDowell. Roddy it McDowell. Yeah, so, okay. Sorry, I was conf- the other the, the the guy from A Clockwork Orange is who I thought I was confused. Yeah, anyway. yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, no, Vincent Price, I think would have been fine. I I think Roddy McDowell was was great in this role. I don't know that you need to you know fret over recasting it or anything. Um, but it it would have been an, it would have been interesting to see how Vincent Price performed in a role like this. Um. But he would have fit right in because we would have at that time we would have totally accepted Vincent Price as the host mm-hmm. of a show like that. You know what I mean? Like that. That was a. Uh, those were shows that were on the air all the time back then, and you know, it wouldn't have been surprising to see Vincent Price appear on a show like that if he had. Well, um, I mean, he was like the host of Mystery at the time, yeah. anyway. So. <laughs> and. Uh, and so, but Joel, did you like the movie, or did, was it a disappointment, or how how did you feel about it? I I wound up really liking it. Um, it's a little bit by the numbers, but it is nostalgic, and it's got some creative stuff and some really interesting uh, casting choices. Really weird, fun. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I especially think of the best friend there, which that guy <laughs> was all over the map, and I actually really wound up falling in love with his character, especially in his horrifically gruesome death scene, which I wasn't anticipating in this movie. <laughs> a very well, weird tonal shift there, but like, there's a lot of surprising, fun practical effects, and just little touches that make it a lot of fun to watch. So. Yeah, Adam, how, how'd you feel rewatching this, Adam, after, after going I back to it? really enjoyed it. I actually didn't remember it that well. There was a lot, I mean, you know, it's not like the movie, like you said, the movie doesn't throw a lot of swerves at you, so it's not like there was anything that shocked me, but I was like, oh yeah, I totally forgot about this, and so... Yeah, it was uh, it was it was just really refreshing. I, I thought I I thought it really held up well. I, it's it's interesting watching nostalgic type movies years later because it's like it now it's got it's got the hammer vibe it's it's evoking. Yeah, you know, but it's also got its own '80s vibe, which at the time, of course, was just. It was just what thing. was it? Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. a double it's dose got, of nostalgia. Watch Back to the Future, and you've got the whole '50s vibe combined with the '80s yeah. vibe thing now when you watch it, and it's like, oh, it's two time periods that are alien to in, me now. In fact, but, I think uh, I think Stranger Things was drawing off one of the musical pieces in this at one point. Like, there's like there's music that you hear in this movie that it might not be exactly the same, but I feel like that's what they were going for on Stranger Things. Um, and, and the overall, like it just had, it's like right in the middle of the eighties. So it's got, it's got everything that you remember from that time period down to like, like when the kids are hanging out at the, um, at the burger joint or whatever it is, just everything about that. It's like, oh man, I remember places like that. 
And I remember people yeah. dressing like that. And I remember people acting like that. And and so, you know, there, there's a there, there was this was probably the most nostalgic movie I've done on the podcast, I'd have to say, just in terms of uh, the date that it came out, the fact that it was mainly directed towards young people. So there's a lot of stuff in there that would have been directed at me when I was that age and or, or you know, younger than the cast. But this was definitely a movie that was shooting for a younger audience, I think. Um, and, and, and the music and all that stuff, it was very, it was a very nostalgic film and that made it kind of hard for me to evaluate it objectively. Do you know what I mean? Like I was very aware that this is a movie I cannot objectively (laughs) evaluate. Um, but, but I was surprised how well it held up. Um, it it had been a while since I'd seen it and you know, it's the movies well made. I kept confusing, uh, Chris Sarandon plays the vampire. He plays um, uh, what's what's the vampire's name in this? It's a uh, it's a really good vampire name. Jerry Dandridge. He plays Jerry Dandridge, and uh, I I always confuse him with Julia Roberts' brother for some reason. Um, oh, what's his name? Okay. Eric Roberts. Eric Roberts. Yeah. yeah. And so I remembered Eric Roberts being the head vampire in this, and it really threw me off that it was like Prince Humperdinck playing the vampire. So, uh, he did a great job. It just took me a little while to acclimate to the fact that my memory was not in line yeah. with, with uh, what was going on in the movie. Um, no, Sarandon's really good in this, yeah. definitely. Yeah, he, yeah, it's, 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 yeah, it's, he has a lot of fun with that part. Well, <laughs> what I like about the movie in terms of horror, in terms of Halloween, is it's funny when it needs to be. It's playful, but it also is legitimately scary in places like the the between the way the way that they use the makeup work, the way that, you know, like when they need the vampire to be menacing, he truly is menacing. And 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 the vampires are just weird enough that even though it's like a like Joel was saying, it is kind of a typical vampire story. The whole mouthful of teeth thing that they do that they do in this film really makes them uncomfortable to look at and, and makes you uneasy about them um especially when they get to um to the female vampire at the end where that's when they really fully commit to the whole <laughs> mouth of teeth thing where it almost she almost looks like a tim burton character her mouth is so big um, yeah it's it's like bordering on the edge of the uncanny in a way that's yeah. actually kind of uncomfortable and i, I really like that design there's, there's a lot of good design as far as like the look of things in this movie yeah i i would definitely agree with that i think i think the design i think the feel i think the music all kind of works um and it's interesting that adam mentioned back to the future because kind of has a similar type of opening to back to the future do you know what i mean it's one of those movies that sort of pans into the you know like you just yeah that pan yeah. lasted forever dude yeah, like, yeah. They, seriously they pan all the way to the window then they pan <laughs> inside the room and it's like is this the movie are we just gonna pan the rest of this movie Here, here's the thing about 80s movies they were really good at like setting the mood and the place do you know what i mean it was like this like and, and may, maybe they were too indulgent you know, for for modern viewers now, but I I kind of enjoy when you when you have that that these films that the camera's just kind of slowly going into the house and you're sort of trying to get like okay what's going on whose voice am I hearing where are the people in the scene I hear voices but I don't see anybody um, you know it, 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 I, to me it helps it helps kind of pull me in and get me into the experience yeah. of watching a movie. Um, it, it, 
it anchors you in that room with them. I, yeah. I'll say that about it. Like, and the, there's, the real estate of that room gets used a lot because he fights the vampire in there later on. And that's an intense scene, too. But we're familiar with the room since we've spent so much goddamn time panning through it. So, so it feels like a real invasion at that yeah. point. So, yeah, why don't we talk about, like, characters and casting and that sort of thing. Like, And I guess beginning with the vampire, because that's one of the most important choices here. You know, what did you guys think of the vampire himself just as a character? And then we can get into, you know, anything additional about the actor that we want to talk about. Was that actually Prince Humperdinck? Yeah, it was is Prince Humperdinck. Yeah, yeah the same guy, right? Adam, I'm right on that, right? That He was the guy who played... I think so. I'll, I, I'll look I, it up while you guys give your answers, because yeah. I'm... I'm pretty sure he played Prince Humperdinck. Yeah, he was um, Prince Humperdinck. I actually liked the casting of him and his ghoul monster friend. Who was oh, that's, um, what's his name? Billy Cole. Billy Cole. The, uh, yeah, the really groundskeeper guy. Yeah, uh, I, I like their dynamic a lot. And um, I like that it was a more innocent time. And when two, like, you know, same-aged, good-looking bachelors move in next door. The mother's like, oh, I bet he's single. Like, yeah. It's, yeah. It's yeah. different age, you know? Um, their dynamic was not questioned by anyone. And that was kind of <laughs> no, no, but the like, mom did say, with my luck, he's probably gay, right? Like, there was okay. a... There was that little moment. I, yes. I, I think, like, I think, I think the young men moved in next door. Now there would be no question about it. You know, I like, think oh, the way people, even at the time when people watched this movie, that was something everyone was like commenting. Uh, okay. so, and also, like, there were a lot of undertones with the stuff that was going on with him too. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And I think some of it might be the delivery because people talked in a wholesome way in in movies like this. Do you know what I mean? Like they they didn't mm. they didn't speak in a crude vernacular as much, and so. It's got like a leave it to beaver sound, but like the mom offers the son a value at one point in this, you know, because he's having nightmares. Jerry, there's like, there's like a <laughs> that was a uh, wonderful little scene. Yeah. I like the mom quite a bit, but um, um, I guess we're not focusing on her. But I, I didn't, I liked the casting. I, I don't know. There's something kind of skeevy about the vampire. He's he's not just creepy in like the traditional vampire way. He seems a little molesty. Yeah, oh, definitely, which, definitely. Uh, when we, we get to the scenes where he's like, you know, devouring a young girl, you start to kind of be like, okay, all right, that's they must have been going for that intentionally, or else these are some really blind acting choices. No, I, th- no, I, th- I think it's all deliberate. Yeah, yeah, I think that was pretty deliberate. I, I agree with Adam. Yeah, um, I, do, I like the casting overall from the standpoint that, like I said, he talked about the vampire and his assistant, lover, whatever. <laughs> but... Uh, it's like that they, they feel you feel like there's a real kind of connection between them somehow. They yeah. do seem like two people that live together. And same with like the group of friends, you know, the main character and his girlfriend and their weirdo friend. I'm like, yeah, I, I could see those people hanging out together in high school. They're kind of not these people on the fringe that are, are friends just because they've always been friends. And uh, it, yeah, I mean, I mean, the mother, you mentioned the mother. It's like she's very good. It's just every, the characters in this. That's one of the reasons this movie works, despite being very predictable and kind of a standard vampire number, a vampire movie. It just everything. The characters all just work from moment to moment. And uh, yeah, I don't. So what's your opinion here, uh, Brandon? Um, so on the vampire, I think uh, what I like about him is that he doesn't even really want to kill the main character. That's not his goal. In a lot of vampire movies, that would yeah. be the goal. But he specifically says to him, I don't want to kill you. 
you know, I want to give you a choice, you know, just forget about me and we can, you know, we can like basically live in peace next to each other. No problem. And it's yeah, it makes sense because like killing the kid is like just going to draw attention to the street. And it's like, yeah, yeah I, I like that angle, too, that he yeah. really just wants this to go away at first. Yeah. And and also it doesn't see I mean, again, there is the obvious like molester thing going on with like there is that there is like that undertone. But on the surface level, it's like the the vampire doesn't seem is, he, I mean, obviously he's evil because he's a vampire and he's killing prostitutes, but he doesn't seem like he's going out of his way to cause havoc or anything like that. He doesn't seem like he wants to do harm to the kids in the community or that sort of thing. It just seems like he's kind of trying to be left in peace. And so, I don't know, the, the, his motivations seem fairly reasonable well, early on in the movie. I'd say that's, that issue's complicated. Because, like, on the one hand, yeah, he doesn't want to rock the boat and make too much noise. But when given the opportunity, he likes to be as malicious as yeah. possible. <laughs> well, and that's why I say that's, like, the I two mean, levels, too. Like, there's, like, yeah. you know, so, like, I'm, but, like, just on the, just that initial um, confrontation between him and, and, uh, and Brewster, it, you know, that, that when, when, he, when he says that. But, yeah, no, obviously... As things as things evolve, he uh, very much, uh, you know, is uh, uh, he, almost almost playing a cat and mouse game with him by the end of the movie, and and deliberately upsetting him by like you know going after his girlfriend and you know yeah, things I'm like that. Lock you and your, your yeah. girlfriend so she yeah. can murder you is you know it's like uh, that that wasn't yeah. necessary. Come on, that's just. <laughs> but again, it didn't have to get to that point, you know. If 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 uh, if things ha if uh, if um uh, if Brewster was in Charlie Brewster didn't keep pushing things, maybe well, they would have been my, able my to point, live peaceably. My point being, though, that I think the reason he wanted to leave the kid alone at the beginning is self-centered as well. Yes, and that he, yeah. you don't you don't want to kill someone in the house next door to you when you're you know whereas these women he's picking up wherever you know in the city or whatever you know bringing home it's like he's doing that in a way that he's not you know he's being very quiet about yeah. it but, no and i i think he's he's evil no matter what but what i appreciate about the appreciate about the movie is he's not stupid evil and this yes. is a period of time when there was a lot of stupid evil in movies do you know what i mean mm -hmm. so it just kind of i don't know it's a little bit refreshing um well he's also kind of dispassionate which is interesting for a vampire like a lot of vampires are really like passion driven. This guy's yeah. like real calculating, you know. Like mm -hmm. his his strongest passion is basically like sadistic revenge against this kid who's been just yeah. ruining his week. And apples. <laughs> he seems to have a passion for apples too. Yeah, what which... the hell was with that? He ate so I, many apples in I this movie. So <laughs> I think part of it I think that's his way of trying to present as a human. Like he wants people to you know, if I'm eating an apple, yeah. I'm not a vampire, maybe. What are you um, to eat apples? But... I'm gonna eat a bushel of them yeah. every day i'll show him who's human but i think it's also an affectation that makes him more uh i don't know just every day just kind of like a nice guy like a simple you know who you know bad bad people don't eat apples right bad you know but when you're eating an apple you're like you know you're being to personable God, I'm gonna go on a quest yeah. to find mussolini yeah. eating an apple you probably lunch. won't you probably won't find it it, it, I, I'm gonna post that. That's gonna be the poster for this episode: Mussolini <laughs> eating an apple. Watch Fright Night. It but makes yeah. as much sense as but it, trending, trending on Google. Mussolini apples is the number one trending search. <laughs> but I, I think it also oh, no. makes us very conscious of his teeth as viewers. Do you know what I mean? Just the fact that he's chopping on an apple. So I think there's yeah, like true. another reason that's why true. they do that. 
Um, but yeah, it's curious because like, yeah, he is eating an apple. And was this before Benicula or after Benicula? Out of curiosity, this is uh, after Benicula. Okay, okay. I definitely read Benicula at this point. Okay, yeah. so maybe 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 there was a Benicula reference in there. I don't know. Um, yeah, you know, but uh, uh, <laughs> but but yeah, it was weird. I was kind of I was like, really, I I I didn't remember the apple. What's with the apple? Um, and 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 that was something I kept thinking about the whole time I was watching the movie. Um, yeah. But yeah, no, you're right. He, he is kind of, um, uh, he's also, I mean, he is suave though. He is charming, right? Like he's, he is. yeah, that's, that's a great point about the character is that when, when he is, you know, whenever he is trying to charm everyone and make the main character look crazy, he just, he, he's perfect at it. It's just yeah. flawless. Every time he does it, he doesn't like, you know, do too much. You know, a lot of times in movies like that, the, the villain will still kind of keep this sinister air and you're like, why is nobody listening? But it's like, yeah, he seems really charming and likable when he wants to be. Yeah. And even as that double meaning conversation with, with Charlie where he, you know, he's like, you know, you don't want to, you know, make your friends suffer anymore. Do you, you know, and, 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 and everybody's kind of like, Oh, looking at Charlie, like, yeah, you've made us suffer enough. And he's actually threatening to harm the friends in that, you know, so that was kind of a nice line. And the scene yeah. where he shows up drinking the bloody Mary at the house is another good one. Uh, but uh but yeah i thought a good vampire i thought another nice touch was was when when they first show him and you just see those long nails on his finger that was i thought that was the most eerie sort of part of the character initially it was just oh those those nails look really really terrifying for some reason um and and i like i like kind of the way that they they introduce his murders but like you know where 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 Charlie sort of they bumps into one of the prostitutes that's going into the house and and it just I don't know it just kind of like uh, they did a good job of of having things like that happen so that when it became important later you knew what was going you know you you do you know what I mean like they did it with that and they did it with like everything in the movie like the mirror they did it with all kinds of things where they introduce something before it becomes important. And and I don't yeah, think there was anything in a screenwritery way, which is nice. Like it yeah. really feels like these are events that our our attention is being called to them, but like they're not there deliberately for an audience. Yeah, I like that a lot. I especially like the uh, the mirror because the mirror cracks before it gets <laughs> used, and I love the reaction of what was it? Vincent is his name. Peter uh, Vincent. I love that guy's reaction. Yeah, because his first reaction is oh hell, and then he just completely freaks out and is a total coward about the affair and that's wonderful there's nothing heroic about him at all at first and well, it's, it makes his character arc really fun to enjoy well let's talk about peter Vincent because i do think he's like the heart of the movie i think if you don't have that character this movie is really sterile and doesn't work and he's the thing that i don't know he kind of brings it all together somehow and he, and he, he, he he's a his charm is a counterpoint to the kind of toxic charm of our vampire antagonist because no one else really has the same kind of charm in this movie, aside from the vampire, Vincent. Vincent's charm is more like a, a harmless, love, beloved old grandfather kind of thing, yeah. you know, or an eccentric uncle. And um, it's, yeah. And I, he's I got like that's... a little bit of a Mr. Smith thing going on too, right? Like he's got like a little bit of a, like there's a cowardly, 
sort of like like okay like the scene when they show up at his at his apartment and he's dr smith just to be clear yeah i'm sorry dr smith from uh, the lost in space character oh yeah Yeah, i was Uh, thinking matrix for a second and i'm like what no 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 dr smith Smith. i'm thinking not even mr smith i don't even i don't know what we're talking about now but but you know what i'm talking about mrs smith the movie where they're like secret agents or something Oh yeah, yeah. That's, yeah, that's, well, that's I, Mr. Smith. I'm talking so. about I'm talking about the cowardly doctor from space. The the guy the guy who's like, you know. Uh, but of course. So, but either way, my point is the scene when uh when they have to pay him in order to get his services, and he just is instantly like, oh well, how do we help your friend now that you're giving me five hundred dollars from your savings? Uh, you know, they just yeah. he, you know he's. He, He's not. He's not malicious or evil. He's just very down on his luck and desperately in need of money, um, and and fairly shameless about it. You know, I, I, uh, but he definitely has a cowardly streak, and and I and I think that that's a, um, an interesting character trait. Um, and he, and, yeah. Oh, go ahead. I was thinking, yeah. I mean, it would have been easy for oh, as soon as he realizes it is a vampire, then he, you know, because obviously you have two obstacles to him actually being a help. You know, you have the whole him actually having to believe it. Then you have the whole, does he actually want to get involved in yeah. this? It's like, I can just leave. Bye. But, uh... And he never actually fully becomes the the vampire killer character. He's, it's not like a... Yeah. You know, he, like, even by the end of the movie, he's not really the one that kills the vampires. It's really Charlie that does most of the important work. And, you know, he's there helping, but he's not... Do you know what I mean? Like, you know, he stabs the vampire through with the stake, but that doesn't really fully kill him. Um, mm-hmm. You know, he doesn't... It, by the end of the movie, number one, uh, the, the 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 evil Ed character, he accidentally stakes. He doesn't, he doesn't even do it deliberately. And that might be a kill that gets taken away based on what happens at the end. So that might not even be a full kill. Um and and he he doesn't he doesn't kill the groundskeeper guy that's that's also a charlie kill um you know so he's he's not really the vampire killer in this movie he just kind of becomes slightly more brave uh, do you know what I mean? uh which i think is better i think it's a more believable character arc than if he kind of yeah. showed up and was fully this character the elderly actor actually had something to fight vampires with yeah, yeah. no it Again, that's part of the charm of this character is that unlike our antagonist, who's pretty much prepared for everything and has traps set up and an evil plan, this guy has no plan. He's got a bag of old acting props and he's flying by the seat of his pants. So, and he, and he even drops his stakes right when he walks into the house and then just seems to forget about them. So, uh, oh, that's great. Uh, you know, he does use his gun, but that that doesn't really work. So, you know, there's that. Um, yeah, but I I I, uh, I like the character, and I like I like I like the uh, Roddy McDowell's performance as him. Um, he adds he adds he adds the humor and the heart to the film, and also uh, he also adds like a certain you know I don't know like like gravity to the to the role too that that helps because um, like you said, he's kind of like the grandfatherly character in the film, so you know he's doing a lot of work. Um, I guess, I guess the other one is the, uh, the one that, um, that Joel mentioned, the, the evil Ed character is really distinct Ooh. and memorable, um, and kind of annoying, but also endearing, <laughs> right? Cause he just, he just always is laughing. Like he has this nervous laugh that never quite goes away. 
and yeah. and and he's and so he's never really connecting with anybody in the movie because of it. Like he's always got this thing that is like he's like a comedian. He's keeping people at a distance with that laugh, and uh, uh, and he's just weird. He's I I the character here. I think he reminds me the most of is maybe um the what's his name? Back of the bell. <laughs> well, I would. He he is kind of in that realm, but I wasn't gonna say that. I was I was gonna say um. Uh, oh God! Uh, the 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 Robert Downey Jr. character from Weird Science. He's kind of like that type of a character. Oh, okay. You know, yeah. Um, also but, in the Screech mold. Yeah, and apparently this guy this guy auditioned for Weird Science uh, and didn't get the role for um, the lead the one of the lead roles in the movie. Uh-huh. Um, but yeah, I, th- I thought he worked because when he actually becomes a vampire, all of that laughter and all those weird quirky traits become menacing when he's the undead so so it worked and and it also he was a good character to kind of, like the 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 whole team that they assembled with the young people you know was well-rounded once you have him the amanda beers character and the and the and the charlie brewster character kind of as a group i thought that that, mm-hmm. that all worked um, yeah, their dynamic was really believable. I think that, that's a good way of putting it. Where like he can kind of feel like these people are really friends. Yeah. Yeah. The only the only thing I will say is is him and Charlie seem to have an antagonistic friendship where they're they're never really nice to each other. It seems. Do you know what I mean? That's the 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 one thing I kind of noticed on on, on watching it this time around was that. Yeah, the... I could almost see it too being like one of those things where, you know. The, the quirks about Ed are the kind of things that get more annoying as you get older. Like, you know, yeah. when they were in elementary, they were probably just friends. As they get older, it's like having that complete weirdo friend just becomes a heavier and heavier weight, you know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And he, what, and he seems legitimately is... bothered when they call him evil Ed. Like, it seems like he does not like that anymore is the. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah. It, it feels like there's some history there, yeah. which, uh, which, yeah, which is, it makes the but, movie deeper. But his it's charming character quirks as a teenager become like demons in adulthood. So, <laughs> but it's definitely probably the most idiosyncratic performance in the movie. I would say, like, it stands out as like, wow, that's a weird person. It fits in with the '80s, but you definitely notice it when you watch it now. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah. I, I didn't find it unbelievable though. Like you said, it's idiosyncratic, but like not in a way that's outside of my range mm-hmm. of like people I might reasonably know. Okay, okay. He's not. He's not yeah. like the guy from Toxic Avenger or anything like that. That's just like so, you know, unbelievably <laughs> bizarre that it just you wouldn't even meet a person like that. Um, the uh, and also the the Amanda Beers role was interesting because like you know she's immediately in Married with Children after this. And it's like, so she's playing like a, a high school, and obviously she's like almost 30 when she's playing the character, and you can tell, like her, like she does like a little girl voice and like an adult woman voice in the movie, and they're both, it's like, it's obvious which one is more her, her real voice, I think. Um, but she's, uh, she's immediately playing uh, Marcy in Married with Children, and it's such a different role that, you know, I think of Amanda Beers as Marcy, and it's always weird kind of thinking of her Coming as this character. Yeah, this is it's like it's like wow, because it's such a jump. It's like you go from like my the first time I see Amanda Beer, she's playing a sixteen year old, and then she's playing like the you know like matronly neighbor to Al Bundy. You know, it just uh, yeah. 
Well, it's like another thing too. It's like I mean, it's it's not that rare in the '80s to have people playing a teenager that mm. clearly are not a teenager. But I think what really sets this one up is just her hairstyle is such an '80s mom hairstyle that it like <laughs> yeah. it makes it even harder to believe her as a teenager. It's like couldn't you have just like changed her hairstyle yeah. and it would have it would have made it so much easier. But man, yeah. that was like a thirty-year-old. 30 year old's hairstyle she had it yeah. was uh, Which, yeah that was the hardest thing for me to get past though i would say in the 80s you did have more women with that shorter hairstyle i do remember that i, being I suppose more... so it wasn't entirely entirely rare but i i think i just the combination i think mm. of the two things made it made it made it tough but but i will say i think she was great in the role like i think she actually did a really good job and i almost didn't give her enough credit in my memory of the movie. Do you know what I mean? Cause I was sort of like, yeah, I think, you she know, is good. Her yeah. performance is good. I don't want to knock that. Yeah. She, she, you know, the, the acting is really solid. And, and also the fact that she can kind of s- switch from the being a, like, like obviously, you know, she's not a high school student. She just doesn't look like one and she doesn't really sound like one, but she, she kind of captures the essence of it somehow. And then when she becomes like the vampire, like a more seductress type character, it's a, it's like a believable transformation. So, you know, I feel like she got both ends of that pretty good. Um, And also the fact that like, you know, when they make her so horrifying at the end, it kind of, you know, it all kind of works. Um, I guess, you know, is there anybody else in the movie that's worth really commenting on? There's the mom, which we did kind of mention. Um, you know, the mom's an interesting character. She's, she's not going to win mom of the year, but obviously she's a single parent, it seems. And she's, you know, working the night shift. So she she has a lot on her plate. I think we can we can forgive some of her quirks. But like, you know, she's doing weird things like talking with her son about having a dream that she was naked and offering him a value. And and when and when the kids come downstairs and 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 um, and, and, and Amy says, like, you know, you, you you want first you want to make love and then you don't. And the mom clearly hears it, but doesn't doesn't in any way comment or. You know, she just seems to be. Yeah, I, think that, I think that's the smart mom move in that situation. Okay, just, uh, that's that's where you just want to. Uh, I didn't hear that. Yeah, my my mom would have <laughs> would have not, not that would have not gone down in my household. Uh, that would have. Uh, but uh, but yeah, I don't know. But maybe it is a smart mom move. But but in this case, I don't think it was a smart mom move. I think she was just like. I really like this girl and I don't care what they're doing. I want them to be together type of a thing. Yeah, you're probably right. Yeah, Yeah, that's kind of the vibe I got from that too. I I thought the mom, like, she doesn't have a huge role, but every time she's on screen, I'm delighted. So I like characters like that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, she's kind of a charming, hot mess of a mom. That's how I would describe her. She's like a... uh, she, 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 She definitely is... Her parenting skills are not all there, but she does... She, she, There's something very... Uh, I don't know. Just, just, just very endearing about about the character. Yeah, endearing is a good term. Yeah. I think. I'd say it's a similar, similar, uh, similar role to the mom in ET. Really, it's kind of a similar situation. Okay. I I haven't seen ET in a long time, so I don't remember the mom too well in that. Okay. One, but... Yeah, I mean, she's a single mom, and she's kind of frazzled through the whole movie, and okay. she's clearly okay. doing her best, but you know. But she never like... offers Elliot a value, right? Like she... we never get oh, to that no, level. No, no, okay. No. Okay. She is, she is cleaner in that regard, <laughs> but uh, to an extent, but. Because uh... that's but, yeah. the stuff that really kind of defines this mom for me is the fact that she's really kind of crossing all these boundaries, you know, and, and that she's so blatantly like the, the, you know, 
the way that she's chasing the guy next door and all that, you know, it's just all very, uh, it's very, uh, uh, she, she doesn't seem to have boundaries like, like a lot of movie moms would back in this age. Um, but yeah, so, but I thought, I thought that performance was good. And I guess the, the guy who played Billy Cole was kind of interesting too, because he's kind of like the weird, I don't know, he's kind of like the groundskeeper character is what I think of him as, but it's not it's not entirely clear exactly what kind of monster he is, right? Like, is he a vampire? Is he a ghoul? Like, like Joel was yeah, saying. What the hell is that thing? Because my what? my first thing from a life of playing Vampire the Masquerade was, oh, this is a ghoul. <laughs> he's got his own stuff. <laughs> yeah, he's still got a weird jelly thing. I guess. All right. Yeah. <laughs> well, and, and and again, it's a movie, so maybe every vampire dies in a very individual way because we don't. None of the vampires die in the same way, right? Like. Uh, and again, maybe that has to do with the means with which they're killed. But the head vampire... The vampire stuff doesn't work on him, even. Like, he, he's clearly another different kind of monster. Unless he was turned into a vampire that day. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, that was one thought I had, is, oh, maybe he was yeah, just recently... I wondered about that, too. I wondered about that if it was just like, oh, well, you know, we're going to get attacked tonight, so here, I'm going to turn you into a vampire, finally. But, because... uh, I don't know. Yeah, it's, it's a mystery, uh, it's, and they never they never explain it. They never go into no. any explanation about it at all. Um, but it's one of the more I don't know. It's one of the most intriguing things about the movie. Actually, is what, what was up with that guy? Was he was he a, was he that monster the whole time, or was he a human throughout most of the movie, and then he was turned into a vampire at the end? Like I really want to know. But but like Joel said, he kind of he turned into green slime, so it, it's very <laughs> suggestive that he was something else. Uh, um, and, and and again, I, I, oh, go ahead. He doesn't have this. He he seems to have his own suite of powers and his own kind of like weird comorbid relationship with the vampire. I like yeah. to think that, much like you know the wolves serving Dracula, it's just one of those things where he just got some monster and he's like, oh hey, you know what you could do? You and me could shack up. Let's make this happen. We'll move into the suburbs. This will work. And that's that's the prequel. Yeah. No, one of the things I really did like about this movie is how it really adheres to like the vampire lore pretty in like a very standard way, but I think that kind of works yeah. for the film. Like no, like what the, everything that you've seen in the movies is pretty much what's true with vampires. And uh and even when something doesn't work, it's not because the rule isn't true, it's because the person doesn't have the faith to support the the use of the cross or something like that. And um I don't know, I kind of I kind of like that and I like how that works with the movie kind of blending cinema horror and real, you know, like the, where does the movie end? Where does reality begin? Kind of a thing. Um, I thought I thought that that all kind of worked together nicely. I also like that it gets to be a little character arc moment because it's like any of the actor who comes into it with the sort of like more or less complete knowledge of how to fight a vampire, but no actual ability to fight vampires. Mm. In the end, he gets the ability. That's neat. You know? Yeah, no, that is true. It, it is true, and it, it is nice that like those rules are allowed to be real. Do you know what I mean? That they're not. I think. I think a movie done. I haven't seen the new Fright Night, so maybe they adhere fully to the, the original. But I would think if if this movie wasn't being remade, and it was just being done today. The first thing that you would expect to happen is that the movie rules would just all not work. That there would be. Do you know what I mean? That 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 I feel like that would be the approach well, taken. That's... That's the modern way of doing it. Is yeah. the movie rules don't work? Yeah. You know, like no no movie vampire works exactly according to the script anymore. Yeah. Some of them are like, oh, sunlight's like that doesn't work on us, or sometimes yeah. it's so crosses are ridiculous, or 
whenever it's played straight, it almost feels like a joke yeah. now, which made watching this movie such a time capsule for me, where I'm like, oh, no, they all work. Like, all yeah, right. I think we were we were already kind of into the era where you didn't expect things to work by the rules to an extent. Like, I think mainly comedies around this time were doing the standard rules. Like, yeah. But, and this movie obviously is kind of borderline. It is a bit of a comedy, but yeah. it's a serious. But it's movie but it's not a comedy that's making fun of vampire movies. So no. it's like a it's like an homage to vampire movies, and it feels like there's a purpose to adhering to the rules, which is that they mm-hmm. respect the tradition of the films. Do you know what I mean? Like, uh, yeah. which is again why I think you get that like Hammer Studios kind of looms over the whole film, and it sometimes does get into campy territory, like when when uh when we first meet the P- the peter vincent character and he announces you know i'm peter vincent vampire killer there's there's something weird about the rhythm of that scene that and, and i think he's even holding the stake backwards in in that I, I i don't i don't i didn't rewind it to check but i'm pretty sure he's got the stake backwards in his hand in that scene and the uh and the actress in the scene is also kind of you know really hamming it up but uh but but it, but again, it seems to be mostly a veneration for the lore, um, and I think it also is like it believes that that all of those elements can still be scary. That you can you can have sort of the aristocratic vampire trope. You can have the you know vampires can't you know can't approach a cross. They you know they're burned by holy water. They kill them with a stake through the heart, and you know sunlight kills them, and all that stuff. And you can still make them scary, and and it's still it's one of the more scary vampire movies, actually. Do you know what I mean? It's a, um, I think because it plays things so light sometimes. When it's scary, it's really scary. Um, oh yeah, and there are some scenes, and I'm thinking about uh, I'm thinking about the death of Screech here, where there's so much like it really lingers on that moment the guy turns into a vampire first and like you can kind of see him psychologically breaking down when he goes to to fight peter vincent yeah and then in that scene he turns into a wolf and he completely just whiffs it and and inadvertently stakes himself but then he starts to die and like they do like an american werewolf in london thing where he transforms back into a person and he's still dying like horribly before our terrified eyes and we're just like lingering on that scene we just we get to watch the whole horrible death of this little kid it's a it's pretty it's surprisingly powerful and shocking so no definitely and i mean and you get yeah, the same well, he's kind oh, of a comic relief character too so having him have this horrible <laughs> horrible end yeah. is just really really kind of unexpected because yeah that's the thing it's like oh are they going to be able to save his friend is he going to turn no nope. no 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 hell no that kid's toast yeah <laughs> and uh which is funny because they did you know they, they they go through so much trouble to save amy but they don't go to Hardly, I mean, he doesn't even lift a finger to save uh, to save Evil Ed. Um, you know, again, I think I think I think the rule that they said was you have they had to kill the head vampire before dawn or by dawn or something like that to 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 stop them from turning. But but they both were turned into vampires the same night, right? So theoretically, it should have. Or am I am I is my timeline wrong? No, I, I think, think it was the same night, wasn't it? Long, I think. I think. I, I. I. I'm not sure. Actually, I don't want. Okay. To maybe. Maybe, maybe there is a day in between. I don't remember, but I think. I. I could have sworn it was all one night, but. But I. Either way. Um, I thought that was the eponymous fright night. Yeah. Yeah. That's, you know, it was yeah. That night. Um, well, but then, then, then Evil Ed being a vampire in the end doesn't make sense. Of course, I'm not sure how much that was supposed to make sense. 
Yeah, well, why don't we talk about that? So Evil Ed, we see his eyes glowing in the background, and then we hear his voice, but it's not, like, clearly stated that that's real. That could just be, you know, for effect, or because uh, Charlie was kind of still spooked by the idea of there being vampires out there or something. Um, but I don't know. Sure, I think, it, I think... it might have been... No, go, go ahead. ahead. You go ahead. Okay, okay. It might have been pointless sequel baiting, is what I'm saying. Yeah. That <laughs> like, that's exactly what I was going to interrupt you to yeah, say. So well, yeah, I think, I think it was just if they're doing we're doing this traditional type movie. Let's end it with a a ooh is yeah. the monster really gone? You know. And, <laughs> and there is a sequel, but I think there was like a lot of there was a lot of drama and things didn't go as planned and. Uh, and and, uh, and they didn't get the sequel that they originally intended, I believe. Um, but uh, oh, go I ahead. Did, I forgotten there was a sequel. Oh, I, yeah. don't even, I don't think I've ever seen it. So. Yeah, there's a, there's a Fright a Night two. No, there's a Fright Night two, and then there's a remake as well. There's a remake as well with I think Colin Farrell, which I have not seen. Yeah, I heard about the remake from the friends I watched this with. Apparently, it's okay. Is it? Okay. Uh, they even do an homage to the apple eating at one point, or the <laughs> okay. Well, maybe I'll have to check it out. I was I've I've been very skeptical of 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 the of the remake, but maybe I need to. It's a decent, it's a decent cast. I'll give yeah. it that. I, I I was kind of intrigued, but it, yeah, I uh, I get I I'd be curious to see it at some point. Um. But yeah, I I don't know. I think uh, um. I think they were planning on going somewhere different with a sequel. And then they, I know that the, that whoever ended up producing it, I think was, do you remember the Menendez brothers? Was that their name? The, the two brothers that killed their parents. Do you remember them? Yeah. The, yeah. The, one of their parents was like the guy who was like producing or somehow in charge of getting, he, he was the one that made that, that they ended up doing the sequel with. Um, and, and I guess oh. that drama kind of over, might've overshadowed, uh, the release of the movie or something. I don't know. I don't. I don't remember the details, but I know that there is a connection um, between this and that <laughs> that real world uh, uh, news story. Um, uh, huh. But um, but yeah. So uh, what about the the makeup for the vampires? I I really like the uh, the practical effects on this film. You know what it reminded me of, actually? The uh, the Buffy the Vampire Slayer series. The the vampires had, like, the scary version of their faces. And okay. They would make a full vampire. I wonder how much Whedon was inspired by this movie for that look. He probably that was. That would not surprise me at all. I would not surprise me. I liked the movie Buffy the Vampire Slayer, but i never seen the show. I don't really... I mean, I've seen, I mean I'm sure great. I've seen bits uh, of the show, but mm-hmm. I haven't seen many. I haven't seen, like, a full episode of the show, I should say. Um, yeah, I'm in the same boat. Yeah. I saw yeah, I, I watched... saw the movie when it was in the theater, and that's all I've seen. I watched the second season of that to its completion. Uh, there's someone who was a big Buffy fan of my life at the time, and like okay. they're like, "Oh man, I really like uh, the character Spike." And I'm like, "Okay," and uh, Spike is a fun character in that movie or that uh, series, so I, I would recommend it for Spike. Okay. Um, past that, I, I don't know. It was a it was a '90s series. It, mm... <laughs> There's mm-hmm. very few series from the '90s that aren't Twin Peaks or The X Files that I have a lot of interest in. So, okay. was that really that years. was really a '90s? For some reason, I remember yeah. Buffy being the 2000s. No, late late '90s. Oh, it may wow. have gone into the 2000s. Okay, like it may have may have been on that long, but uh, I'd say '96 or so would be my guess on when it started, based okay. on when I first heard people talking about it working at the gaming store. Okay. Yeah, it just I, maybe if it had come out like when I was younger, I would have gotten into that show, but I just wasn't at like. 
Yeah, I like couldn't. Twenties, I wasn't at the right age to really care. I mean, I only just barely saw the movie because when the movie came out, <laughs> I remember seeing the trailer and be like, "This is ridiculous. I'm not going to watch this movie." <laughs> but then I was like, "Wait, Paul Rubens is in it. You know what I mean? Like maybe I should watch it just to see him play a vampire." And yeah, and I saw it. It was actually a good movie. It was decent, but I thought it was going to be trash. It's really charming. Um, you know, it, it just the the concept just seemed like, oh, you know, come on. Um, but, Valley Girl fights vampires. Yeah, it, 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 it just found it being pretty entertaining. It it just seemed like it was going to be like insulting to horror movies in general. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Um, but uh, well, that's that's okay. the great thing about that movie is like much like this movie is that it does take the horror elements seriously enough yeah. that it can kind of carry the rest of the weirdness that you're seeing along with it. You yeah. know. Yeah, and uh, and I will say for me the practical effects they remind me of stuff like. Um, uh, American Werewolf in London, like you were saying before, that that's the thing that really because there is like a real wolfishness to a lot that they, they do do that a lot, and and also just the way that like or thriller, like it had like a thriller type vibe yeah. too, like the like the and I think that's effective that and, and again this is I, I I say this every episode, but I think you know we took a wrong turn with CGI, like practical effects, yeah, uh, just especially for horror, I feel like. I feel like the actors are physically experiencing the transformation they're going on. I feel like it's real. I feel like the distortions to the body are more unnerving because of the practical effects being actually part, like it's actually part of their performance. Do you know what I mean? If you have teeth in your mouth, you have teeth in your mouth. If you CGI teeth onto them, the actor doesn't actually feel those in their mouth. So it's different. Um, and so there's just like a tactile quality that comes across in a movie like this. Um, yeah. And once again, we're in the eighties around this time. You're, you're just at the peak of, yeah. of artists who are great at doing those kind of special effects. And I mean, yeah, the special effects in this movie really hold up nicely. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think the most questionable special effect is maybe the bat, but even that I yeah. think works. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? I, I, um, yeah, it works. But, uh... Um, and I liked how they used the shadow in that scene of the bat to show the transformation. That was really clever, uh-huh. the way that they did that. Uh-huh. Um, and I and I can't imagine that in '85 they were using CGI to get that shadow no. effect at all. No way. Um, no. So, uh, so yeah. So, so I, uh, I don't know. Is there anything anything else about this movie that we uh, we want to touch on? I don't know if we've covered everything or not. Um, mm. I don't know. Uh, we didn't talk about the the vampire seduction scene because there's like a really lengthy period of this movie <laughs> yeah, yeah. where where Al Bundy's neighbor is being seduced by uh, Prince Humperdinck. Wow, it seems so weird to say it like that. But yeah, like they really dwell on it, and I'm not really sure what's going through her mind while this is going. I don't know if she's like mesmerized or what's going on the, there. But like to put it in gaming terms, there's like a Strahd and Tatiana type thing going on where she seems to be like either the reincarnation of his former lover or highly resembles his former lover. And so there is, yeah, a... they don't, they never like, like where, where did that come from? Where did that go? This is the cotton eye Joe of this movie, man. Um... <laughs> well, I felt, I almost felt like, I, I almost wondered watching this, like, is he even telling the truth or is that just part of the game he's playing with her? Because it's like, because like you said, he just doesn't seem to, but he, he does that whole scene, but then he just doesn't care about her at all for like the rest of the movie in any real way. Yeah. And I, 
I I just felt like I just felt felt like it was a game he was playing. But I, I you know I think I tend to take the story that he said seriously. I think it's maybe that the film didn't want to juggle those two things towards the end, so she kind of gets shuffled mm-hmm. to the back. But I think there's you know it's not like he. Like, when he puts her in the room with Charlie, I don't think he legitimately thinks that Charlie's going to successfully stake her through the heart or anything. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So, um, so I, but the scene that makes me believe it, he's just got this weird look on his face when he's looking at her during the seduction scene, where yeah. he's showing a degree of concern for her he doesn't seem to show to anybody else. So I just felt like, okay, maybe that was like a real thing that he's talking about. But at the same time, he also she, does seem maybe. to be seducing her in order to piss off Charlie. So yeah, that's, I, I, I that's don't think, thing. yeah, I, th- I, I'm going gonna, gonna to lock them in a room and see yeah. what happens. That's yeah. just not the kind of thing I feel he would do if, uh, yeah. you know, if it, if it were a, a real love but, story, I feel like maybe that love story thing is the thing he tells every one of these women he brings home and murders, <laughs> you know, but here's, here's another possibility. Uh, maybe it's a real love story, but maybe they have like a really messed up relationship. Do you know what I mean? Like, like, I mean, yeah, you got to figure a, a vampire, a vampire's love life is not going to be like a, every, you know, every hundred years she gets reincarnated and he just does something terrible again yeah. and ruins it. Yeah. But, uh... <laughs> uh, but, uh, but yeah, that, I mean, obviously divorce, so. th- that's that scene obviously is like, uh, again, it's sort of like the, the horror of Dracula where they're clearly playing up the sexual angle of, the whole being turned into a vampire and yeah you know there's there's no question based on the sound effects based on the way she acts based on when the blood is flowing that what what this is supposed that's to be that's a lot of blood too i wasn't ready for that much <laughs> yeah, but, uh, but no nah, the uh but yeah i mean the whole like you know seduction element is definitely calling back to the hammer movies yeah. a lot i agree with and, you on that background and obviously, like, I mean, if you, you know, just to get it like the subtext of the movie, the whole movie is starts because he doesn't consummate sex with his girlfriend. Right. Like that's like he's <laughs> distracted by the TV and then by the, the neighbor, you know, it, and that's what kind of leads them into the story of the movie. So the whole movie is kind of something about repressed sexuality or something. Do you know what I mean? Or it, there's that kind of thing that's underlying the whole film. So you know it's it's clearly you know present here as well i mean and, and i'm sure there's like 18 different readings of it that you could do in terms of what you know what is going on um but it's weird if you go with that metaphor that he comes to an elderly actor for help you know <laughs> and then his friend gets weirdly involved and all that like i think that it's not a good pure metaphor no, I, th- I mean, I think, but I'm, but I'm sure if you were like, like if, like, uh, if you were like a film student writing an analysis of this movie, or if you were like oh, yeah. doing like a real subtextual analysis, like that's where this movie's going to lead you, right? Like just from the beginning alone, like where, you know, where else can this go, right? And it does get into dark territory, I think, because like you're saying, the way that he turns the, um, the evil Ed character is very molesty, right? It's like very, mm-hmm. you yeah, know. He yeah, he attacks him in a dark alley when yeah. he's alone and separated from his friends. And like, yeah. that kid looks like he's battling through some identity issues. Yeah, yeah. You know? Yeah. 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 So there's definitely a lot of, you know, there's, I'm sure there's all kinds of subtext going on. But I think, the you know, in the scene that we're talking about, I think it's definitely, you know, there's definitely like a, a sexual element. And a, another part of that, that sequence that I kind of think is intriguing is the whole club scene in general. 
where that's like uh that's kind of the point where the vampire seems to shift from like i don't want to kill you charlie to like okay i'm starting to kill people now and do you know what i mean like that's where things seem to really kind of that's i think that's where we first see him killing people if i i mean i know he's killed prostitutes you know yeah, in the back i found that a little weird honestly it's like you know you're trying to keep everything quiet and that was just so counter to his behavior <laughs> through the rest of the movie that it, it that that i found a little jarring that yeah i mean quite for me. yeah like i don't i don't remember ever going to kitty o'shea's as a kid and like somebody getting murdered then nobody talks about it the next day it's not like a thing like yeah there's just he 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 didn't he didn't have to escalate it the way he did and he didn't see i i i also didn't feel like the movie dealt with the consequences of what happened at that club enough like he just murdered two people and like yeah it never became an like there were there was i mean presumably the cops were involved and there was something going about they never address it in the movie so it just seems well, like it kind of evaporated by the end of that same night though like that's no he is night, but so. but you would think instantly like that becomes like a major news story in this town that's already dealing with the murder of two prostitutes on the night well, remember, yeah. they, they were downtown and that's the major thing where the cops go. He causes a scene so that out in the suburbs, he can be as loud and horrific as okay. he wants. There's no cops now. It's all, all right. part of his master plan, you fools. All right. Maybe, maybe. But not I... thinking vampirically enough. But, uh, but, like, but I don't know. Just go the, the way that he goes from like, cause in that, that's the scene where he kind of reiterates, Charlie, I don't want to kill you. Right. And like, and then look, I'm killing people. And it just kind of yeah, feels like a weird. Yeah but i think maybe that's because i don't know some that's i i feel like that scene is where things start to shift um and and, and it's like okay no he's going to be killing people now like like maybe maybe he feels like okay things are going to hell now so we're going to have to move anyways so let's just start killing people i don't know let's have a little fun with it yeah <laughs> but uh but yeah, yeah so, I mean, it's possible. It is possible. He's decided, all right, if I have to kill this kid, I'm going to have to move anyway. So you yeah. know, maybe maybe he was at that stage where he was just he was just cleaning up anyone who knew he was a vampire before just picking up and moving again. So I don't know. And, and there was also there was the effectiveness of of having him kill the two like beefy bodyguards or beefy bouncers in the club demonstrates just how strong this guy is as a vamp because he because physically he's not imposing so it's it's helpful to be reminded no this guy can like you know he's got supernatural strength and and, and obviously we saw that in the first scene with charlie and him in the con in their confrontation but sure I, but you're still contrasting him with a, a small teenager yeah versus two huge burly dudes yeah it's a much more effective contrast yeah and and even like in the big in the biggest one, he just grabs by the throat and like lifts him off the ground. I think so. Um, you know, it, it's 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 pretty effective. Um, yeah, not to smack talk Charlie, but even I could probably do that to him. So yeah, Charlie doesn't have a very. Uh, <laughs> he's not he, physically imposing. No, say. no, he's pensive. He's a pensive guy. He's not a. Um, you know, he's he's pensive and bad at trig. That's kind of what we know about him, and he likes horror movies and. And he's, uh, you know, he's on the fence about having sex with his girlfriend. Those, those are the only real details that we, we can, we can really extract anything from. But, um, but I, I don't know. I think, uh, uh, I guess what's our final thoughts on this film? I, I'll, I'll give you guys the floor first before I weigh in, I suppose. You know, your first time you want me to go first? 
Well, I'll go. I don't have anything particularly deep to say. I mean, I I think this is just a solid, fun movie. There is like there is some depth you can get into as we've discussed, but on the whole, if you I you know if you just want to watch something enjoyable as a horror movie that genuinely has an element of scariness, but isn't isn't a dark, horrible you know horror soul grinding experience. This is this is this balances things nicely. So yeah. yeah. <laughs> good final thoughts yeah it's a surprisingly pleasant horror movie um like it's it's palatable um and that's not to take away from the genuine like horror or shock or any of the genuine like fun and comedy of the movie it, it knows how to balance its elements very well it has outstanding casting uh the performances are i won't say top notch but they're perfectly serviceable for their roles and there's some standout moments overall the, the practical effects are fantastic and uh, it, for as unsurprising as the formula of the vampire movie is there are individual scenes uh, lines uh, character choices and like little little swerves that will yeah. constantly catch you off guard in a delightful way um, and I'm, I'm kind of describing it like it's in a, an episode of My Little Pony uh, which <laughs> it's, it's not it's genuinely I've funny. never seen My Little Pony so that's a it's kind I've of a both. Like I, say, I grew up with the original My Little Pony and I've seen the new one because my kids liked it and uh, I gotta tell you this measures up to My Little Pony okay. you won't be <laughs> my, I think, I think... Uh, no, right, every, every pony you're not going to be disappointed in this non-pony having vampire movie Yeah, me, me, me and Adam are from the pre-brony <laughs> era of, uh, yeah, I watched exactly watched exactly one episode. And that was with Rob's daughter. Actually, yes. she was like, "You gotta watch My Little Pony." So you know, yeah, yeah. and that's yeah, that's, that's one too many. That's daughter. one too many episodes. I think. Oh, uh, I'll fire you! <laughs> it's magic, a, it's a perfectly decent show for kids. Yeah, it's it's the girl version of the Transformers. It's just it's the, <laughs> oh, wait, it's the girl version of Transformers, really. Yeah, in, in that you don't learn anything, and it's it's meant to sell toys to you. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> Yeah, and, I know. I, I mean, think I, I learned a lot watching Transformers, but like, like your parents will hideously die in robot battles, and that's fine. The world sucks. Wait, when did people's uh, parents die in robot battles? Don't, don't you remember? Don't you remember the Transformers movie where? Oh, the movie. Well, no, I told you. I never saw. I, I wasn't able to see the movie in the theater when it came out, so I had this big gap in my Transformers oh, knowledge. Oh, yeah. dude. Okay, I, I gotta. First of all, you've got to see that movie, and second of all, we've really ruined my final thoughts on this movie. Sorry. Okay, go ahead. I'm sorry. We've 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 derailed you Jesus. so much. Man, you I had to bring scripted. up My Little Pony, and then the the Hasbro train started rolling. Just, uh, yeah. You know, if you throw out anything shiny, I'm just gonna jump on it. At a... <laughs> uh, oh God! Just give me a second. <laughs> try to salvage this. All right. It's just like when uh, Geraldo Rivera gets hit with a chair in the nose during uh, during one of his. Then he's got to come back in a dignified way and recapture the magic of. Yeah, so the... my, my nose is still bleeding yeah. from the chair, but the the point being is that this is a movie that's worth your time, and and your energy, and um, man, I kind of feel like it's almost a must watch movie, not in terms of it being fantastic or genre or anything, but just kind of like to put the notch in your belt for this one. Like there's sort of there's a lot of little cultural touchstones in it, and I feel really bad I didn't see it until a couple of weeks ago. Uh, honestly, I think this would have been a movie that I remember very fondly if I'd seen it when I was younger. And um, and yeah, uh, I I recommend it. Recommend it. One, one thumb up. Yeah, 
I would say it's like a charming and surprisingly scary vampire movie, and it uh, is solid. It it holds up. Um, you know, it's not it's not like the greatest, like like Joe was saying, but it's a um, uh, it's it's a kind of movie that it starts out a little bit slow, and then it eventually gets you, and by the end, you're you know you're fully immersed in this movie, and uh, and I think that's largely to do with the characters. I think the characters all work, and they work well as an ensemble, and that's what really makes this movie function um so yeah so you know and and obviously it's a cult classic and it's one that you know people should see and and it uh uh it it kind of you you could watch this movie and it kind of it transmits a lot about 80s horror do you know what i mean like you you know both in terms of things that it's deliberately avoiding because it's a reaction against some of the trends that are going on but also for things that exist inside of it you know just some of the 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 aesthetics of it are all you know you could watch this movie and you might not have to watch certain other touchstone horror movies because they're present in this film um so yeah so i would i would say you know check it out um and uh I don't know it's, it's 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 obviously October. I don't know about you guys, but here like October is like a month long celebration around Salem, so it's like impossible to not be aware of Halloween. Like it's just it's it's called haunted happenings, and it's all month. And there's like physical manifestations of it. Like traffic is terrible. Maybe this year because of COVID, it won't be so bad. But like typically, you can't like getting from where i live to danvers where my wife works is a nightmare during halloween it's normally a 15 minute drive and it can become like an hour long drive at bad times in halloween so with that in mind we're going to be celebrating halloween at the horror express and we've been talking about the movies we want to do and we're looking forward to it and we you know we don't know exactly what we're going to do next but we we have an idea and so you know we'll we'll be back on and we'll we'll you know we'll be talking about some of the you know the real classic horror movies to watch during halloween and until then we will talk to you later